So one month from today, we'll get a final report from Dr. Brinson. I believe it's going to be great. If you want to give some additional funds, just do it like you've been doing it. Write a check, make it out to Spirit Life Church. Put it in the black boxes on the back, and in the memo, just put New Zealand. And we'll make sure that every penny that you give will make it to New Zealand. Amen. Well, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. I want, to, I want to encourage you to start bringing your Bibles. I, I, I don't know. There's just something powerful about having the Word of God right, right there in your lap. Now, if you use your phone or another device, that's perfectly fine. I have no objection to that or problems with that at all. But I'd like for you to be able to walk through Scripture with me from time to time. You know, sometimes we get focused on the screens and what's up there when really what we need to focus on is what's written in this book. So I've been preaching over the last two weeks about this idea of ankles, ankles, Lord have mercy. You know, it's funny where that comes from. I, I took a late night walk last night, and my right ankle has been killing me all morning long. So I don't know. If I say ankle from time to time, just pray for me that the Lord will heal my ankle. I, I don't know. I've been talking about anchors and finding assurance in God's promises. How many of you believe with all your heart that at some point in your life, God has given you a promise to live your life by? Can I see your hands? God's promises, according to Scripture, are yes and amen. If God says it, you can trust it. You can take it to the bank. You can live your life today based on a promise that God may have given you years ago that He will bring to fruition in your life. But you have to activate it. And so we've been talking about anchors and how they are needful and important in our lives. So from Acts chapter 27, I want to talk some more about this idea of anchors and being anchored in the promises of God. So I just want you to open your Bible up and just look at it with me for a few minutes. I'm not going to read the whole thing as I've been doing because... It's, it's just a lot of scripture there in one chapter, but there are some things that I want us to point out and look at. And the first one is this. Anchors are designed. There is a design for anchors. Uh, there are different types of anchors that we can utilize in our lives. Now, if you were a sailor or if you worked on the sea or in the ocean or on the rivers... You, one of your primary tools would be an anchor. You would use them in certain situations. And one of the things that you use an anchor for is to stop the vessel. <clears throat> in other words, there are times in our lives when we need to just be still. Or if we're on a journey and we come into a place to stop a port, we need to drop the anchor and stop and wait on God. Now I want you to look at verse 1 and read a few verses with me. It says, And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan, Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonia, uh, Macedonian from Thessalonica. Now the next day we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy, and they put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off Sinaitis, and as the wind did not allow us to go farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salmon. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, 
near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will only bring injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot, to the owner of the ship, than to what Paul said. And because the harper was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Now here's what I want to say to you about this portion of Scripture. You can see that these sailors with the Apostle Paul in captivity in their, in, in their watch were moving from port to port. And they were moving from city to city. And as they were moving, as they were going from port to port, in every port where they landed, they did something that is not recorded here. But they dropped their anchor. They, they dropped so that they could be secure there, so that they would not be pushed out to sea. They stopped the vessel because it was not time to move forward. And so there are a couple of kind, kinds of anchors that they may have used. The first one is an anchor that would have probably been seen on top of the, the decking there where the port was. And they would pull up to this deck and they would throw their rope over and someone would take the rope and they would tie it to these anchors that are on top. They would tie it there so that it could not get loose. And then they would go to the back of the ship and they would repeat that process to a second anchor that would have been there. So that the boat was all the way up against the pier, but it was tied or it was anchored to the pier so that the boat would remain stable and secure. Now, what that means for us today is that there are times in our lives when we just need to stop what we're doing. Have you ever had a time in your life when you were just frazzled? I mean, you were just going from one place to another place to another place to another place. You had to get up in the mornings and you had to get your breakfast and you had to get your shower and you had to get your clothes on and you had to go to work. And you had to do this and you had to do that and you just felt absolutely frazzled. Can I tell you that sometimes the answer in moments like that is for you to just stop what you're doing and tie yourself to the promises of God and believe that the Word of God will give you the strength and security that you need. I remember many years ago when I was just a young pastor I was pastoring this church, and back in those days, we had Sunday morning Sunday school, followed by Sunday morning worship, followed by Sunday night service, followed by Wednesday night church, Bible study, and I was responsible in some way for all of those things. And then one particular week, I had three funerals from people that were in our church. An elderly lady passed away. She didn't ask my permission. She just did it. I was busy. She passed away anyway. She didn't care about my schedule. She had lived a long life. She was ready to go to heaven. And then there was a 19-year-old teenage boy who was coming home from his night shift at work who drove off of the side of a mountain and was immediately and instantaneously killed. That quickly, same week, I'm responsible for the funeral. And then I get word that there was a family in the community who had an infant child that had not lived very long that quickly and shockingly passed away. And so they wanted to know if I would do the funeral. So I got four services at church, three funerals, and this young man, this young pastor, was absolutely flabbergasted as to how I was going to handle all that. 
My mind was going a million different ways. Because you can't say at the funeral of an infant the same things that you would say at the funeral of an elderly lady. Or a 19-year-old teenage boy who had suddenly passed. You have to have a fresh word in those situations. And I'm just asking God to help me. My mind's going a thousand different ways, and suddenly, I really think the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go down to the New River and just sit there for a little while. Now, the New River flowed through West Virginia and Virginia, and we were pastoring in Virginia at the time. And we had a family in the church that owned some riverfront property there. And they'd always told me, if you ever want to go out there, you're welcome to go. Just unlock the gate and go in. And I went out to the New River that day, and I watched that river as it was just peacefully flowing down there. And I found myself a rock, and I sat down, and I just began to listen to the water as it was peacefully moving by. And I don't know any way to describe it other than the peace of God that passes all understanding begin to flood my soul and my spirit and calm my nerves and calm my anxiety. And in that peaceful moment where I just stopped long enough to let God's spirit minister to me, I found the strength and the wisdom that I needed to be able to do what was expected of me as a pastor in those moments. Now let me remind you that if God would do something like that for me, He will do something like that for you. If you will just take the time and anchor yourself to the promise of God that He has given to you and just sit still and let Him do and say what He wants to say to you, He will bring you peace in those moments. Secondly, anchors are designed for safety. Or for stability. Now if I were to ask you to draw me a picture of an anchor, most of you would draw a picture of one that has a hole at the top and a long shaft made of steel that comes down and then two to four hooks that come up with barbs on the end of those hooks. That's what most of you would think about when I say anchor. And those are real things that they really do use. They would take an anchor like that and they would put it over the side of their vessel. And what happens is as the ship continues moving underneath the water, that anchor begins to roll with the motion of the ship. And when it rolls with the motion of that ship, it will do so until one of those barbs gets all the way on the bottom on the floor of the sea. And then it tightens that rope and it begins to pull that barb into the mud or to whatever was there that it's anchoring in. And when it catches, then the boat simply stops because the anchor is holding. Two weeks ago, Priscilla sang a song called The Anchor Holds. Aren't you glad to know today that even though there may still be movement and there still may be tension, the anchor will hold those who will trust in the anchor because it is designed to hold you still and to hold you steady steady, and to hold you secure. And then there's a third kind of anchor. And it is the kind, it's what's called a drag anchor. And these anchors are basically just big metal balls of steel. They have a hook at the top and the rest of it is just like a big ball. There's no barbs on it. There's nothing. It's all weight. And what they do is they connect that to the ship when they are out in the sea, but the water is so deep that they cannot use an anchor that will reach the seafloor. 
So the only thing they can hope for is to put the weight of that anchor, that drag anchor, down into the water so that it will slow the flow of the movement. The drag anchors. Now, in Acts chapter 27, it tells us at one point that while they are in the storm, that they deployed four anchors out of the boat from different locations. Those four anchors that they deployed were drag anchors. They weren't meant to connect to the seafloor. They weren't meant to stop the ship entirely. They were meant simply to drag against the water so that the ship would slow down. And so sometimes we need to have some drag in our lives. Amen? Sometimes we just need God to allow us to slow the pace down. Sometimes we just need to stop and sit and sometimes just watch out on the deck. This morning early, I'm thinking about my message. I'm drinking my cup of coffee. I'm sitting out on the back porch in the deck and I'm just, I'm just sitting there just having a good time in the Word and in the Spirit with the Lord. And I'm, I'm just relaxing. I'm, just, I'm, I'm not working myself up. I'm not trying to, you know, get this fervency of an evangelist. I'm just, I'm just peacefully resting. And all of a sudden, this little hummingbird came over. And he just, he just started flying right there. He's probably six feet away from my face. And he was just looking at me, and I was looking at him or her, whichever it was. I don't know how you tell the difference between a hummingbird and male and female. But whatever it was, he's just looking at me, and I'm looking back. And I'm just, I'm just enjoying that hummingbird while I'm enjoying my coffee. And I'm just restful. And I'm just still. Can I tell you that sometimes... You need to deploy a drag anchor in your life and determine that you're going to slow yourself down so that you can hear the voice of the Lord. You know, I've gotten to where in my old age, I'm not old, I'm only 63. For those of you who think I'm 163. I don't watch TV much anymore. I just, there's really nothing on there that I like. And when I do, I usually Netflix something or Roku something, and the shows that we watch are probably 25, 30 years old. I just don't care about a lot of the new TV. Now, I like to watch football and things like that, but that, that's a whole different world. That's, you know, that's the season that my wife hates to see coming because she knows that the TV is mine during football season. But sometimes I just, in the evenings, I like to just turn that squawk box off and just, I don't know if you know you can do this, but you can go over to uh, YouTube and they have these little videos of, uh, of rivers that are running and the water just kind of coming over the waterfall and the birds tweeting and the music singing and, and I just put one of those on. Some, some of those things play for 10 solid hours. And you just put it on and just relax and enjoy the evening. Sometimes we have to take measures to bring a drag to our life, if you will, so that we're not going at such a high rate of speed. Listen, I know that some of you have young kids. It's hard to put a drag on your life when your kids are driving you crazy. But let me tell you, they will go to bed eventually. They will. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but they'll go to bed if you tell them to. They might get up 14 times, but they'll go to bed. And you can have some time where you just relax in the Spirit. You have to deploy a drag anchor to your life so that you can slow yourself down. Now, I've used that word deploy several times in this message. And so I want to talk about that, talk about the design of the anchors, but let's talk about the deployment of the anchors. And the first thing that you need to understand is that anchors must be lowered into the sea. 
Now, who do you think did that? Do you have any idea? It was the sailors, in case you're wondering. They didn't just pray a Pentecostal prayer and say, Oh, God, we need an anchor in the water. Could you, by your spirit now, touch that dead, lifeless anchor over there and cause it to jump up and throw itself over the side of the boat into the sea? I just want to sit here and watch. I'm praying for miracles. Show us a sign. Tell us what you're capable of. It doesn't work that way. The anchor can only get into the water if the sailors deployed the anchor into the sea. Now here's where I'm going with this. You know, you have got to take responsibility for where you are and you've got to take some movement in your life that will deploy an anchor. Sometimes you need to stop. Nobody is going to make you stop but you. Sometimes you need to just dig in and let the anchor hold you in the middle of the storm. Sometimes that's appropriate, but sometimes you're the one who has to do it. Sometimes you have to slow the speed of your life so that you can enjoy the family and friends that are around you. But nobody's going to do it but you. You've got to take responsibility for it. You have to do it. I was reading this week about Billy Graham. Anybody ever heard of Billy Graham? Three of you. Praise the Lord. The rest of you need to get around a little bit. Of course, Billy Graham's gone on to eternity now. But Billy Graham is widely known as one of the greatest evangelists that has ever lived. No telling how many people gave their lives to Christ under the ministry of Billy Graham. When he was a young man, Billy Graham traveled with a group of other evangelists. And they worked together. They were college-age students that came out, and, and they're preaching the gospel, and they're going here, there, and the other. And so they had a system of accountability because they were all together. They were working together. They were preaching together. But then there came a time in Billy Graham's life when he felt the call of God to expand out from that group and to launch his own evangelistic ministry. He had a singer with him. He had an organizer with him. He had another evangelist with him. And then there was Billy Graham. And the four of them got together and they created what is known now today as the Modesto Manifesto. Have you ever heard of it? In Modesto, California, these guys sat down and they identified the four things that they felt like they needed to be aware of and the four things that they needed to put safety valves in place. The first one was sex. It was no big secret that when these evangelists would go into these cities, sometimes without their wives, without anyone else with them, that there would be temptation for them to enter into a sexual relationship with a woman that could ruin their entire ministry. And so Billy Graham made the decision from that day forward that he would never have dinner with or counsel with or be in private with a woman of any kind unless his wife was there or an associate was there or there were arrangements made he would not be alone with a woman now I don't know if you know who Mike Pence is or not but Mike Pence has been doing that for many years he's been made fun of in our society We've been told that he's crazy. We've been told that he has no respect for women because of his willingness to uh, ban them from his presence. But if you ask me, Mike Pence is a wise man, a smart man who would say, I know that just one thing like that could bring down my entire life. 
When I started in ministry years ago, I knew about this Modesto Manifesto. And I made up my mind that I was going to follow the same way. I've not counseled a woman in private. I, I will counsel them in my office, but the door always remains open. I have someone else in the office or I have to reschedule because I cannot do it. It's a choice of mine. I've made up my mind that my testimony and integrity is more important than somebody being pleased with me or happy with me. And I just refuse to do it just like Billy Graham did. So what I'm saying is, is that he chose to put some anchors in place. The other thing was money. He said, we will not receive offerings at our, at, at our uh, crusades. If there's any offering to be taken, it will be taken by someone else. Because I don't want anyone feeling manipulated and that they have to give because Billy Graham said, you need to give a seed offering. Now let me just get off path for a minute. and You can like this or you can, you can just mull it over. I think there's a real problem with some of our modern day preachers and evangelists who are out there raising millions and millions of dollars flying around the world, the globe, in private jets and taking money from people that don't even have enough money to pay their own light bill so that they can live a life of prosperity. Now, I'm glad I'm not the judge. I've always tried to be very careful about money. I've always tried to make sure that what we do with money is a thing of integrity. It's an anchor that we put in place so that integrity might be uh, secure. And then there was church. Billy Graham said, we're never going to talk negatively about any church anywhere. Now, how many of you know that there are always times that you can take a church and pick them out and say, well, they're crazy over there. They handle snakes over there. I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to go to that church, would you? They handle snakes over there. Well, they do the do do over there. You're not supposed to do that. They raise their hands over there. Oh, they speak in tongues over there. You've got to be careful of them. How many of you know that Billy Graham was Baptist, right? And so he might have had an issue with that. But he was careful not to disparage any pastor or any church. He would let God be the judge. And the final thing was publicity and pride. And so Billy Graham would never advertise one of his crusades. If there was any advertising to be done, someone else had to do it. Because he said, it is too easy for me to talk about all the thousands upon thousands of people who have been saved under my ministry. It would be too easy for us to get a videographer to show me saying all of my wonderful things. It would be too easy and it would puff up my pride and I would no longer be useful in the kingdom of God. So why am I talking about Billy Graham today? Because I'm saying that there are things in our lives that can be a downfall to us if we're not careful. If we're not careful, we can allow entrances for the enemy to come in and do a work in our lives that will steal our experience with Jesus Christ. The Bible says the devil comes but for to kill and to steal and to destroy. But the Lord came so that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. So let me ask you a question quickly. What kinds of things are you tempted by? What kinds of things are constantly on your mind? You've said to the Lord, Lord, help me to overcome this thought. Help me to control my thought life. Can I just suggest to you today that rather than just praying and asking God to make you stop, because listen, you won't like what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. God's not going to make you stop thinking about that. 
If you're addicted to pornography, God's not going to make you stop looking at pornography. If, if, if you're addicted to some kind of drug or some kind of, uh, some, some kind of tobacco product or some kind of uh, liquor or something like that, you can say, God, take this away from me. God's not going to take it away from you. Why? Because He has given you a free will. He has given you the ability already to say no. And what you have to do is you have to say, first of all, I'm not going to start that activity in my life. And secondly, if I do and it gets out of control, I'm going, to, I'm going to bring someone or something into my life that will help me to overcome that. And I'm going to set some anchors in my life. Sometimes we just have to do that. So what anchors do you need to set? What do you need to establish in your life? Guys, don't go running off to your bedroom with your laptop and go in there and start surfing by yourself because you've just opened up the whole door for you to look and see anything you want to look and see. Sit right beside your wife. If you're going to be on the on the internet and, and, and Facebook and all that, sit right beside your wife. Anytime your wife says, can I see what's on your phone, just hand it right over to her. Don't go, wait just a second. You see, our lives must be lived with integrity. And by, by the way, can I say, the same thing goes for women. Same thing goes for women. So what kind of anchors do we need to establish? And then lastly, this morning, and this is what I'm really thinking in, in my heart this week, and it has just stayed with me and stayed with me and stayed with me all week. Look at verse 40, if you will. Chapter 27, verse 40. They cast off the anchors... And left them in the sea. At the same time loosening the ropes that tied the rudders. Do you see that? They cast off the anchors. And they left the anchors in the sea. Why would they do that? Why would you let go of something that you have been connected to for years and years. And it's brought you peace. It's brought you joy. It's walked you to victory. Why would you cut it loose and let it go? I'll tell you why. The anchors were obsolete because they'd been replaced by a promise from God. Is that right? Because we're in the midst of the sea, they've got four drag anchors out, and they're just barely making it, and the angel of the Lord comes and speaks to Paul and says, guess what? said, I'm going to save you, I'm going to keep you, and I'm going to save everyone who is on this ship when you hit shore. If they jump off, they're in their own hands. They're responsible for themselves. But if they'll stay in the ship with you, I'm going to save you, and I'm going to save them. Why? Because you have to stand before Caesar. And I talked about this last week, and let me just remind you of it. I won't stay here long, but listen, God has given you an assignment. He has filled you with the Spirit to do kingdom work in this life right now. And you are laying up treasures in heaven because of what you're doing in your life right now. God promises that if you will work for Him and serve Him, then He will take care of the provision and He will provide the protection that you need. We'll talk about this probably next week when you get on the island of Malta and snakes come out of the fire and begin to bite you on the hand. And our first response would be, I'm going to die from the poison of the snake. But you just shake the snake off and allow God to get the glory. Listen, there are times that we have to weigh what we've grown accustomed to 
against a fresh revelation of God's promise. And when God has given us a fresh revelation of His promise, we don't need the anchors anymore. In fact, the anchors may take your focus and you'll still trust the anchors over the promise of God that has been given you. So this can manifest in our lives in so many ways. I can remember back in the old days, I I noticed that some of you brought visitors today. And in a Pentecostal church, Anytime you bring a visitor, you always pray before you come to church, oh God, please. Please let pastor be nice. Please help pastor not to get over here in that stuff. God let sister so-and-so be nice. Don't, Don't let her get in the spirit and start talking in tongues. I don't let any of that happen. We just, we just want a nice, peaceful sermon. Doesn't last very long. And we can just, you know, go on with life. And sometimes we just feel like we just want everything. I can remember that because I was there. I grew up in one of those churches. I've told you the stories. I don't need to repeat them. But I'm telling you, there was some crazy stuff that could happen in our church. Thank God we never handled snakes. I don't think. because I, Not that I remember. Maybe a spider or two, but no snakes. I know people in the modern day church today that they want to go back. I've heard people say, I want to go back to the good old Brush Arbor meetings. Praise God. Where we sit outside in the hot weather and the cold weather and the sawdust floors and the wooden back benches. Go ahead. I don't want to go with you. I kind of like air conditioning. I kind of like soft chairs. I don't think God's offended by us worshiping in this nice building. But I know people that think the only way that we're going to reclaim what God once did is to go back to the methods of the way we used to do church. I've had people tell me before, why do you put the words up on the screens when we sing? I'll tell you why. Because it's easier to see. That's really about all there is to it. Otherwise, you've got to get the hymnal out. Turn with me to page 186. And you hear this, page 186. I've actually been in services where somebody said, wait, not yet. Okay. And I know people that want to go back to that. Listen, 10 years from now, we probably won't even have screens. We'll be doing church differently. Why? Because... We are on a journey, and everything is changing. But just because things are changing doesn't mean that we can't use things for the glory of God. I'm so thankful we don't have any of that kind of stuff in our church. I'm really glad of that. If we do, I don't know about it, because nobody ever comes to me and says that. Do you remember when we used to call everybody brother and sister? God bless you, Sister Gillen Waters. So good to see you today. God bless you, Brother Baker. We're so glad to hear. Man, I'm telling you, my dad was Brother Baker. Don't come call me Brother Baker. That ain't me. Bless you, Brother Davis. Good to see you this morning. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I know people that they still want to go back to calling each other brother and sister. Why? I'm Rob. I'm Pastor Rob. What? You know, I've been called a lot of things in my ministry. Some of them I liked and some of them I didn't care for too much, but I've been called a lot of things. Do you remember back in the day when we used to have king chairs on the platform? Pastor would sit in that chair and it had a big back on the back. 
It always had velour on it. You know what I'm saying? And it was always wood on the arms. And so you could hear the ring. Well, you couldn't hear the ring because you couldn't wear a wedding band back in those days. And the pastor would sit there. And if the pastor was into it, everybody else was. And if the pastor was not, nobody else was. And the pastor was always up front. I'm so glad that several years ago, I got smart enough to stop sitting in the king's chair and sitting on the front row because I didn't have to watch anybody else worship. And I didn't have to look over at Sister Gillenwaters and say, I wonder what's wrong with her today. She's got a frown on her face. I wonder what's going on in her life. I could concentrate on God and didn't have to worry about anything else. Aren't you glad that some things have changed? I'm thrilled halfway to death. Sometimes we get accustomed to our self-established anchors, and we want to hang with the anchor. Well, I've been mad at this individual for so long, it gives me comfort to know that I can be mad at him, and it's okay. It's not okay. Get over yourself. Forgive them. Let Let them forgive you, and get on with life. Let the anchor go. I'm so mad at my spouse. I can't believe what they said to me. I can't believe what they did to me. I'm just going to sit on this and roast for the next two to three weeks just to let them know that I know what they did. Hey, get over it. Move on. Cut the drag anchor off. Don't let whatever is dragging you down continue to drag you down when you have a promise from God that has been given to you and a revelation that will set you free. I'm debating whether or not I ought to say a few things right now. I don't think you want me to. I don't know if you want me to or not. I only have seven minutes. You want me to do it? No. Come to the piano and we'll close out. There's chicken to be had and barbecue to be had at 4 o'clock this afternoon and I need to stop right here. But listen, here's the whole point. What have you been holding on to for so long? Every day of your life you get up and you initially deployed that anchor in your life to bring about a good result. But now, you no longer need it because you have a fresh revelation from God concerning your situation. Now, now let me just point you back to the scripture. They cut the anchors loose. They didn't try to pull them back up and say, we might need these again someday. They cut them off and they left them in the sea according to scripture. They were gone forever. They had no choice now but to depend upon the promise of God. So let me ask you today, what anchors do you need to cut loose so that you can depend upon the promise of God? What is it for you? Probably it's many different things across this congregation. But listen, if God's given you a word, then you need to hold on to that word. And you need to cut loose the anchor that's holding you back. The anchor's not bad. The anchors weren't evil, Pastor Danny. There wasn't anything wrong with the anchors. They'd been very helpful in times past. But now they were obsolete because they'd been replaced by the promise from God. Isn't that good news? Stand with me if you will. I want everybody, if you will, to come down here today. Today's family day. We're going to hang out together. We're going to eat chicken together and barbecue. And before we leave this house, I want us to pray together. And so as you're coming, sing a little bit for me. And and, and let's, uh, let's everybody come down here worshiping the Lord.
something that most all of you know. A life with Christ is not a life where we only give Him part of ourselves. How much of Himself did He give to you? How much? He gave it all. He hung on a cross at Calvary. He gave His last breath for you. He didn't stay there. He rose again. He is seated today at the right hand of the Father where He ever lives to make intercession for the saints of God. But He gave everything to you. So when are you going to give everything to Him? Just a question. You don't have to get mad at me. I'm just asking you. When are you going to jump off in the deep end of serving Jesus? Some of you haven't even put your toe in the water yet. And you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Did you know that you can do that right now? The Bible says all you have to do is believe that Jesus did what He said He did in Scripture. And confess with your mouth who He is. And you can turn your life over to Him. Repent of your sin. Start walking a new direction with Him. And you can be saved today. Is there anybody here today, young or old? Listen, I already told you about the 19-year-old man that I had to put him in his grave. You could be here today and be 13, 14, 15 years old. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you don't stand in the security that you need. But the good news is, that He will in no wise cast out anyone who comes to Him for forgiveness. We can all be saved. Amen? Is there anybody who'd like to turn your life over to Jesus today before we, before we pray? Is there anybody here that you'd say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. Nobody's ever asked me to be a Christian before. But I'd like to be a Christian. I'd like to come to Jesus today. If that's you, Will you just step out and come right down here? We've got some people that will pray with you and show you how to do that. Show you how to come to Jesus. Amen. It's one of the best things I've ever done. How about you? One of the best relationships I've ever had. And I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful that He cares about me. And He loves me with an everlasting love. But listen, what are you holding on to? Might have been a good thing. Might have been a good anchor, an appropriate anchor at that time in your life. But you know good and well that you have a fresh revelation from God. How many of you are today like you were five years ago in your relationship with Christ? Can I see your hand? Nobody. What, what does that mean? Does it mean that you're growing? How many of you feel like that you've grown in the last five years? How many of you believe that I am more mature than I've ever been spiritually? You know why? It's because as you have journeyed through life, you've said, I don't need that anchor anymore. I don't need that one anymore. I'm going to leave it in the sea. I'm going to take this fresh revelation from God that I have. And I'm going to go forward with God's promises. <laughs> I'm going to be better next week than I was today. Man, you've been blessed by the Word of God today. I can't wait till next week. Why? Because I'm going to be smarter and more energized next week than I am this week. Why? Because I'm growing in God. And you can say the same thing. So today, I want us to pray together. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to look in your mind. I want you to think 
What's something that I have trusted in that I don't need any longer? Because God has made that obsolete because of His promise. And then I want you to say, God, I'm ready to cut it loose. And don't anybody divorce your spouse or anything like that. It's not what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm so excited that you give us the opportunity to move forward and to go to go further in you than we've ever been before. And Lord, there are so many things in my life through the years that I've held on to, and they were good things. They weren't bad things at all, Lord. They, they, they weren't evil in any way. It's just that I grew beyond those anchors. I grew beyond those things. I grew beyond those restrictions. I grew beyond that legalism. I grew beyond that mindset. And now I stand at a place where I can be free from that. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll help me to, to stop wanting to go back to something that is no longer useful to my spiritual journey so that I can experience new things in you and so that I can experience maturity in you. Lord, I may have to grab a plank that's in the sea and swim to the shore, but if I know you've already promised that you're going to keep me safe, then I know I can make it. And I will make it because of you. Now sing it with him, will you? Sing it. prayer. One more time. Come on. Sing it really good. I'm glad to be in the boat with all of y'all. Can I say y'all? Y'all. I'm so glad to be in the boat with all of y'all. And I pray that you'll stay in the boat. Because God has something really exciting for all of us. But we got to let the anchors go so that we can go into the island of Malta. And the Lord can show us something new that we've never seen before. And if you'll come next Sunday, I know it's a holiday. I'm coming to church next week. I don't care what you do. Well, I do care. <clears throat> but I'm coming next week to see what God's going to do for us and with us. And I hope you'll come too. See you today at 4 o'clock, Broad Run Park. Come, listen, listen real quick. We had some people get lost last year. Go into Broad Run Park. You know where the... The, the, the water park is. We're not there. We're up from it. Same parking lot. But if you think, okay, this is the splash pad, but there is a, there is a building up to the right. That's where we're going to be. Follow your nose to the fried chicken and you'll find us.